Welcome to Catch the Fire London podcast. We hope as you listen to this message that you will encounter God's transforming presence. You just stretch out your hands to Dan right now. We thank you, Lord, that this is a topic of I believe in freedom. And that freedom is something that, that Dan lives and walks in, that it's something that he knows is part of his life. And so, Lord, as Dan speaks, God, that he would release impartations of freedom upon us, God, that he would release the impartations from heaven. And we just thank you, God, that it is not just a, a preach that is said, but actually there's, there's living um, prophetic stuff that comes into us and imparts into us as he speaks. So we prepare ourselves just to receive the word of God into our hearts and our spirits. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. I believe in freedom. Are you ready? Are you ready? <sighs> Isaiah 61 says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord God is upon me. Why don't you say this with me? The spirit of the sovereign Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. Come on. Do you feel that? Do you feel that? Come on. That's who you are. That's what you've been called to do. You've been called to do all those things because Jesus did it before us and he said, I'm anointing you to be Christians. You know what Christian means? Mini anointed one. Little Christ. That's who you are. You are a mini Christ. And so therefore, his mandate, his calling, his plan is your plan, your calling, and your mandate. Yeah? yeah? Some of you. Thanks, Gary. You're with me. Come on. Some of you believe that. You are called to release the captives into freedom. But also, Jesus said this. He said, you cannot give something you haven't first received. And so before you can ever release people from captivity, you need to first step out of it yourself. And I've got like a bajillion Bible verses to go through today, and we'll see how we do. But they'll back up my points as I go. But this is the deal. When I was preparing, the Lord was showing me a number of the things. And the first thing he showed me, he said, he showed me almost like we were sat in a prison cell. And the door had been ripped off. But we were still sat in it. And it's like captivity was being chosen as opposed to given. And, and in order for us to step into freedom, it says that it was for freedom that Christ set you free. And I've always kind of sat reading that verse thinking, like, are you repeating that for a reason, Jesus? And he always says, yes. And do you know why? Because sometimes we forget that we've been set free. And, and the Lord said to me this the other day, he said, Dan, I have set you free. Now you need to choose to activate freedom. And too many of us have been set free, but we're sat in the captivity still. We're sat in our prison cell and we could choose to leave it if we wanted to, but we're sat there and we're like, yeah, you know what? Oh man, life's really hard. Oh, this is happening. This is going on. And all that stuff's real, but it doesn't mean that it has any power over you anymore. We need to step out of the prison cell. I was just reminded like even this morning and then Timmy confirmed this in prayer time. I just had going around my head that song like, I've got a river of life. Just going around my head, I've got a river of life flowing out of me makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison doors, and then sets the captives free. And it just tricked on me. I was like, man, if you open the prison door, they can still sit in the prison. And then I saw this other element of where, you know, you could be set free and leave the captivity. But if you were to wear the clothing of a prisoner, 
you would still be identified as a prisoner. You know, you watch like all these TV shows and movies about people escaping prison and they're wearing, like, especially if it's a, an American one, where they're wearing that orange jumpsuit and it's the most obvious thing in the world and everyone can label them and see them as a prisoner. The evidence of their captivity is still upon them and the first thing they need to do after getting out of captivity is what? Get rid of the evidence of their captivity so they can look normal, be normal. And too many of us are walking around our lives with the evidence of our captivity still being worn like clothes upon us. We're living our lives like we've stepped out of captivity, but we're wearing the bondage, wearing the evidence. And as we were praying earlier, and David confirmed this in prayer time, and I love pre-service prayer. You know it's open to anyone to come and join in with, right? So if you'd like to pray, come and join pre-service prayer, because it is so cool when you're stood there praying, and people are just saying things prophetically, confirming that you were hearing God right. It was really cool for me anyway. So you guys can know that this isn't just Dan's opinion. This is like confirmed by prophets in the house. But David was talking about the Israelites. And how in the wilderness, some of them were looking back and going, let's go back to Egypt, guys. They'd forgotten the captivity that was upon them. They'd forgotten the fact that they were in slavery, forgotten that they were literally being destroyed, being made subhuman in their position. The chosen people of God had somehow gotten themselves this place of being like the back that built the power of Egypt. You know, you look at the pyramids and we marvel at them today about how incredible they are. They were built by the people of God under slavery and captivity. So, of course, they're blessed and they're amazing and wonderful, but they did it under slavery and captivity. And how they ended up in the wilderness and suddenly they're like, oh, man, we should go back to that thing. We should go back there. We should go back to that because at least then I had a meal every day. At least then I, had, I knew what I was doing. Now I'm just walking around the wilderness failing to see the fact that God was blessing them. They were living in the evidence of their captivity. And I feel like one of the reasons why it took 40 years of them wandering around the wilderness wasn't because they were confused, it was in their directional geographical sense, because they had, what did they have? They had a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night to guide them. God wasn't lost or confused. He wasn't a broken sat-nav trying to take them on some weird and wonderful route around the desert. If you look at the journey they could have taken, it would have been a couple of weeks. 40 years! to undo the mentality of that generationally ingrained captivity that was in them. God's saying to them, you're free. I'm even going to dry up supernaturally a riverbed and make walls of mountains of water so you can cross into freedom to set you free. And yet you are living like you're in captivity still. I'm supernaturally providing you with food every single day and you're living like you're in captivity still. What does captivity look like? It looks like following the bondage of your captor Moses goes up the mountain comes back down they've built a golden cow they're currently worshipping other gods and all these times where they're like trying to hold on to breaking the rules changing the boundaries all this kind of stuff it's evidence of the captivity because they're losing the reality of their freedom and that you know how do you go from a dynamic of every day having manna appear from heaven and having a pillar of fire by a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night, and having the presence of God leading you, and yet oh, I want to go back to Egypt. Oh, I want to build a golden calf. Oh, I think I should hold on to this manna just in case it doesn't happen again tomorrow. And it took forty years to undo that captive mindset. How much more do we need to understand that if we are going to walk into freedom, we need to first of all reject our captivity in its entirety? Open prison doors, set the captives free. I'll never forget, I, um, 
Actually, it's wonderful that Matsy's here today. Hello, Matsy. Because um, we were um, we used to go into Feltham Young Offenders together to do the prison chaplaincy, and um, do like a weekly worship service for the the boys there. And you'd have a mixture of either guys on remand waiting to be sentenced or guys who've been sentenced, and and getting to know these incredible young men who would just for multiple reasons made some bad choices in life that ended them up in a, in a horrendous situation, but they were choosing to come and worship Jesus. And I'll never forget, I was, this was probably about 12 years ago. I was on a bus on my way home in Wembley, and I remember I recognized two of the boys from chapel getting onto the bus. And they had, when, when you leave prison, you get given essentially like a bus pass. It'll only last for a certain amount of distance to get you home. And they'd made it to as far as Wembley, and they still had further to go, and they couldn't make it any further because it ran out, and they didn't have any resources, and they were like negotiating with this bus driver. And the bus driver wasn't moving on yet, and it was becoming more and more obvious what they were negotiating about. Like I knew enough to have that insight. You could see people starting to get uncomfortable in the bus. People changing their body language around these young men because of their knowledge of their, their just release from captivity. They were starting to figure out what was going on for these guys, that they'd just come from prison, that they were just... And you could feel the judgment in the atmosphere changing. You could see people moving away to the back of the bus. You could see people going upstairs again. And it just broke my heart because like, these guys have just been set free. And their first expression of freedom, where they're meant to be given this free ticket into being able to get home and start putting their lives back together, has immediately become an indictment upon their character and who they are. And, and you look at the stats of unemployment amongst ex-convicts, and you start to understand how hard it is for somebody to truly walk away from the decisions of their past without any of that affecting their future. And we, we were captives too, guys. We were captives to sin, we were captives to bondage, we were captives, we were in prison in our spiritual realm and dynamic. And we have to be so adamant and fervent of our desire to step into freedom that we would never walk about life giving evidence to anybody of the prison that we were in for our behaviour being as if we were there, but instead displaying freedom from captivity to those who are still in captivity. Because can you imagine if those boys then wrote back to their, their friends in prison saying, you know, it's really hard to leave. It's really hard to leave. You don't even make it home. You don't get any help. You don't get this, 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 and this. And then you wonder why institutionalized prison happens where people realize that it's easier for them to stay in prison than it is to come out and face freedom. And we can become like that with our faith. We can become so institutionalized in our captivity that we become almost dependent on brokenness, dependent on pain, dependent on spiritual attack. Man, am I fed up of a dynamic where we expect spiritual attack and we live our lives on the defensive when we were called, it says, worst case scenario, stand. Like Paul's like, stand therefore. He doesn't say, get knocked back every time something happens. He says, stand. We, we, we need to get out of this place of downplaying our freedom and becoming institutionalized in our brokenness. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. It wasn't for being able to carry burdens. I have it all the time even with like parents, family members who are like, well, you know, I've got to get knee surgery next week and it's because I'm old. I'm like, no. We're not captive to our flesh. My body isn't God. My body isn't the authority over my life. My body is subservient to God. One of the verses I was going to use 
Oh fuck, I can find it. Let's go it. In fact, it's not in my notes. It's one of the ones I didn't put in my notes. In the Bible it says that you were bonded to the flesh and all the things of the flesh. And this is the Dan paraphrase version. But you are now bonded to God. You are in servitude to him. You're in bondage to him. And so which one's going to be the authority in my life now? Am I going to settle for my body telling me my capabilities? Or am I going to settle for God telling me my capabilities? Am I going to let my body give me filters of where I'm heading? You know, we've had, we have people in this church who are literally getting healed all the time. It's amazing. We had someone last week, I think they, they say they had vertigo. And they got healed from it. Just in a passing statement, they turned to the person sat next to them and was like, I'm really struggling with vertigo at the moment. And then they went, okay, we'll be healed in Jesus' name. And guess what? They got healed. I'm guessing you're quiet because you're not surprised. Because you just believe it happens all the time. We, we, we allow the evidence of what is seen to become greater than the evidence of what is unseen. And faith and belief should not be therefore created into this charismania where we have to see the fruit to believe it, even though it's really important, but it should be placed in a position of saying, I know who he is. And so if my reality does not line up to that, I know who he is. If my situation doesn't line up to that, I know who he is. Because he has flung op- not only flung open my prison door, but he has called me out of captivity. He has clothed me in glory and made me a slave to righteousness. So that, you know, if you're a slave to something, you don't get a choice in whether you do it or not. Do you know that? That's the difference between a bond servant and a slave. A bond servant chose to serve the master. A slave was bought and put into slavery and if they're in slavery don't get a choice they don't get to choose when they wake up when they sleep when they do they don't get a choice you're a slave to righteousness that means you do not get a choice as to whether you're righteous or not in the spiritual law of the thing and so stop being unrighteous he opens prison doors and sets the captives free because it is galatians 5 1 it is for freedom that christ has set us free stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery you know a yoke is a big wooden thing that they put on cows or bulls or bison or whatever to steer them or the center of an egg but we're not talking about a yellowy substance being put on you well that is messy being in slavery and sin When you are under the burden and bondage of sin, you are under a yoke of slavery to that. And first of all, it's heavy. It's a heavy wooden beam. It's a heavy wooden thing that's placed upon as a burden. But also, it steers you. I imagine not many of you have ever tried plowing with cattle. It's really hard. And one of the things with cows is they don't like being told where to go. And so the stronger the yoke, the more direct if you are. The reason why sin feels like it messes you up and pulls you left, right and centre and sometimes you don't feel like you've got an option in it almost is because you don't. When you've allowed yourself to step into being under the yoke of sin in your life and not being repentant, not being penitent, not said to Jesus, you set me free, so set me free. When you've not stepped into that, there's no wonder why you keep on struggling with sin because you are not the one steering you. 
I had a chat with someone the other day who said to me, do you believe that Christian can be possessed or oppressed? And I was like, let me ask you this. Are you in perfection? Let's make it simpler. Are you in perfection yet? No. But are you worshipping and loving Jesus? Yes. So is it a question of possession or oppression or just simply that you are being steered in the wrong direction by something and you want to get rid of it? He is in the business of getting rid of yokes and heavy burdens. Freedom is ours, but being free is a choice. Psalm 118 verse 5. From my distress, I called upon the Lord and the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. I love that. I, you know, I was like, I really like the sound of that, a large place. But then I pulled the thread and I was like, what does that even mean? And it's a word, it says, it's Morkob or Merkob in the Hebrew. And it means a broad, roomy place. It's absolute. So it's absolute in its size and its largeness. And in a figurative sense, it is freedom from distress. Again, this is also defined as extraordinarily spacious. Have you ever heard anyone describe a prison cell as extraordinarily spacious? Here's the difference between captivity is captivity keeps you in a box. It keeps you enclosed in. It keeps you restricted. It keeps you from being able to move, to grow, to see life to the full. Jesus hears our cry and he brings us into a large place. A place that is extraordinarily spacious. Room for us to roam and grow and be free. We were at... um, a coffee shop near Rigsworth that's on an old farm. Um, actually, on my birthday. Um, and we, um, it's like a kind of like a shack in a field kind of thing. It's quite, it's quite fun. It's great because it's all fenced off. So it's, you can let the kids roam free. It's like free range children. They just do their thing. And there's even like electric fences as well. So if they really try to get out of there, it's like, no. Anyway, I'm joking. Um, although I'm kind of not. I've had to teach Isla how to touch electric fences safely because she tends to go to the boundaries of things. And so I'm like, you do it with the back of your hand. If you don't, you know, maybe a lesson for somebody to learn this. Always check an electric fence with the back of your hand because um, otherwise it makes your hand reflex and you grip. You know that? Anyway, freebie for you. Health and safety lesson today. If you're not sure if it's electric or not, back of the hand. You'll get a little, a little sting or something, but you don't want to grab hold of that thing. But anyway, um, we were there and they delivered cows. And it was amazing. I've never seen cows like this. It was awesome. So these cows have been purchased from another farm. They come on the lorry. And these cows were happy cows to get out of that lorry. They, were, they went from a place of captivity to an environment that was extraordinarily spacious. And I've never seen... These things were bouncing. I've never seen anything like it. They were like galloping across this field, bouncing, jumping. It was like the weirdest thing I've ever seen happen with cows. But they were happy because they went from captivity to an extraordinarily spacious place. And they wanted to explore all of it. And that's what it's like with the kingdom of heaven for us. We are in this extraordinarily spacious place where we get to explore God. We get to explore who he is, get to explore all of the things of his kingdom. And we get to do it in joy, abundantly, and in freedom because we have been set free. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. I love that verse. You have been saved by grace through faith and not by your own doing. God's graciousness for you is so amazing that no matter what you've done, where you've been, how bad you think you are, if you have faith in him, he will save you through grace. Now, the danger of it is that we then get silly things like extreme grace, hyper grace happening in the world where people go, hey, grace, it's great, isn't it? 
you want to go for a drink for the weekend? Let's go clubbing. Let's go have some fun because grace is going to cover me. I can do what I want because I'm going to repent and grace is going to cover me. I can be a really bad, dirty sinner because grace is going to cover me. And I've got permission to behave how I want. Mm, I'm not really sure I like the way the Bible says that. So, okay, grace will cover me. I will disagree with the word, the word of the Lord. I'll disagree with Scripture. I'll disagree with my leaders. I'll disagree with my friends, my people, my church. I will change the face of Christianity in the name of grace, realizing that it's actually a falsification of grace because guess what? Grace is not the permission to sin. It is the empowerment to not sin. And when you combine it with this verse in 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so when you start to receive the Spirit of the Lord and experience His freedom, you start to realize that it's His freedom. It's not our defined freedom. It's not our ability to go, yay, grace, look at me being free. I'm going to you know, do what I want. And look, I'm going to express to everyone how free I am by doing a little jig at the front of church. Look how free I am when actually we're in secret sin in our lives. The spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Did you know the spirit of the Lord? It, says, it describes in scripture the spirit of the Lord like a dove. And you know doves are easily startled. And so I'm not saying the Holy Spirit will leave you, but I'm saying he may withdraw a little bit if you are choosing your freedom rather than his freedom. I have freedom of choice. Do you? Or are you a slave to righteousness? I can be who I say I am. Did you create you? Or did God create you? And if so, he knows who you are. There's that amazing song, isn't there? It says, I know who I am because the I am tells me who I am. It's a great little tongue twister. But it's true. How do we find out who we are? God, who do you say I am? Okay, that's who I am. We don't go, hmm, this is my buffet of choice. I'm feeling like that today. I'm going to go this way. No, we have freedom through Christ who set us free. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 says this. I have the right to do anything, you say. This is Paul talking. You say, I have the right to do anything. With this newfound grace. But not everything is beneficial. So then he corrects them and says this, I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You know, this is the, the oxymoron of freedom, is you have been set free. You are free from bondage. You are free and blessed. And it's why you see these amazing things where like God will bless people despite them. Isn't that incredible? And people will behave in a way to spite themselves. You know, you look at, I don't want to sound judgmental, but you look at things like Lakeland Revival. God was there, moving, doing incredible things, working through incredible people. And yet they were making really poor choices in their own personal life. And it's like, God, how can you do that? And God's like, I had a plan to fulfill. We are free. We have a responsibility with our freedom to not be mastered by anything, but to be mastered by God and be a slave to righteousness. Falake did an amazing preach last week on strongholds. And I kind of don't need to do too much in the way of starting to deal with the prison walls because if you weren't here last week, watch Falake's preach. It is fantastic and funny and anointed and wonderful. And it was awesome. I love sitting under your teaching. But here's the deal. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. Lazarus 
was called out of the grave, but he came out wearing the grave clothes. He was dressed as though he was dead, yet he was alive. He needed those grave clothes to be removed for him. Jesus has set us free. His freedom is absolute. We need to choose to walk in freedom. And sometimes we can do that by ourselves, in partnership with God. But sometimes, like Lazarus, we need people to come around us and remove the grave clothes. And so there's a call to freedom to all of us today. And we spoke about this last week. Sometimes you need help removing the grave clothes. And that's why we have inner healing. That's why we have an inner healing team. That's why we have a prayer ministry team. That's why we have a prophetic team. That's why we have people in this church skilled and trained up in dealing with life's hurts. Like Dwayne said it before, it's talking about how come as you are and we are in the business of healing up hearts in the Levite community. That's not unique to the Levites. We are in the business of healing up hearts as a church. And you get to see the fruit and the expression of that in people who walk here. But sometimes you can do that by saying, Jesus, you have set me free. I choose to step into your freedom and I'm going to live a life as a slave to righteousness. But sometimes there is things in your life that you can't overcome on your own. And you need to come alongside people and say, Rita, would you take the grave clothes off of me today? Would you help me know the prayers to pray? Would you help me see the knots that I can't reach? Would you help me cut off the bandages that need to be cut? Would you help me break the chains that I know shouldn't be there right now because I need to stand together? And that's why church is so important. That's why community is so important because we can be free, free on our own and we can free others, but also we need to be free together. And so today's preach is simply that. Are you, gonna be, are you someone who's sat? in the prison cell still and you know the door's been flung wide open and you can see what freedom looks like and you can see people walking around outside the prison free and living their best life for Jesus and sitting there going oh I wish I could be like that wish I could lead worship like Dwayne but you know I can only do it in my shower at home because no I don't want anyone else to hear me oh I wish I could play with the kids and make them read Bible stories and see them set on fire for Jesus and I've got all the ideas in my head but I'm just too afraid. Oh, I wish I could go and sit on the high street during Pinna Village Hair like Pinna Village Fair like Stu did and just love on thousands of people during the day who are walking past opposite a spiritualist booth that was getting completely spiritually shut down as a result. I wish I could do that, but I just don't know if Jesus is enough in me. He's in you. Stop sitting in the prison cell, observing life through a little window God's created by removing the door. Step out of your captivity. Choose freedom. Some of us are walking around still wearing the shackles and the jumpsuits and the evidence of our captivity. And people are meeting us and they're seeing this message of Jesus which is great and they're hearing about him how he set us free but then they're not seeing the evidence of freedom in our own lives I can tell you there's nothing more damaging to evangelism than terrible fruit in your life when people come up to you and they meet you and you're like Jesus is amazing he set me free and they're like I don't see it in fact I see I see more honesty and righteousness in my friends down the pub you know I've heard people say I tried church but there's too much gossip at church there's too much backstabbing in Christianity. There's too much, like, you know, you look at even just what's going on within the Anglican Church at the moment between re, like, rewriting the Lord's Prayer and just the disagreements and the bickering going on. So why would I come to that church? Why would I step into that? Your evidence of brokenness is seemingly much greater than your evidence of freedom. Yeah. 
you're hurting yourself by remaining in bondage. You're hurting yourself by remaining in that place because you're limiting yourself, but also you're hurting others. I really don't want to know the stats and that maybe they may or may not be in heaven, but like I can imagine in life, I know the moments because I recognize them when I've led people to the Lord and where I've done a great example of Jesus. But I don't really want to know the amount of times I know that's happened where I've misrepresented him and I've led people away from the Lord. But I know it's happened. I spoke to my dad the other day and he was talking about how they, they have a recovering alcoholic that he's kind of journeying with at the moment and the guy refers to himself as, as a re- recovering alcoholic. And it suddenly dawned on him as he's praying one day, God said to him, you know, Stuart, you are, you're a recovering sinner. And he's like, that makes so much sense. So that's how I know I'm going to engage with this man and bring him into freedom in a greater level. Because if we journey not wearing the evidence of our captivity, but understanding that we were cap- in captivity and we've been set free into freedom, I'm a recovering captive. I'm a recovering sinner. I'm on a journey. I'm being set free. But in my recovery, I'm going to be aware of my brokenness. Not so that my entire focus becomes my brokenness, but so that in my awareness, I'm going to stop doing it. I'm going to stop being in captivity. I'm going to stop having these things. I'm going, to, I'm going to live in awareness of destruction to the captivity in my life so that when I do step into freedom, I can say to those in captivity all the way over there, the door's open. Come and join me. Look how good this is. Yeah, it's a journey, but I'm going to walk it with you. And every time I've struggled, I'm going to tell you about it so you feel empowered too. And every time I've seen breakthrough, I'm going to tell you about it so you can feel empowered too. I may not be complete yet, but I'm becoming more complete. I may not be demonstrating full freedom yet, but I have access to it. And showing the world that through our journey and our desire to be free. And so why do we do inner healing? Why do we pray? Why do we trust God? Why do we worship Him? Why do we come on a Sunday together and do this stuff? Because he opens prison doors and he sets the captives free. And then this is where the next bit of that song comes. Because I've got a river of life flowing out of me. You've all got a river of life flowing out of you. The river of life in Ezekiel says that it's the the trees on the banks are in fruit in every season. It says the river is full of fish. There is life in the river of God. There is fruit in every season. I was talking to somebody on the phone yesterday who through no fault of their own was in a car accident and has written off their car. And we're like, praise the Lord that your car did its job. Praise the Lord that it kept you and your children safe. But we also know that this isn't what God's plan is for your life. And so therefore we're going to invade the enemy's camp right now. And we're going to take back what he stole from you. And we're going to apply to your life truth and freedom so that, you know what, in a month's time when you're driving a new car, it's going to be better. It's going to be less expensive. It's going to be paid for in full. It's going to be covered. Because when the enemy tries to come in like a flood, remember when we spent like six months going through Noah? When the enemy tries to come in like a flood, remember the, Lord, the Father said, I will never ever flood this world again. And yet the enemy will try to think you, make you think that he is. When the enemy tries to come in like a flood, I, the Lord, will raise up my banner against him. You may be suffering right now. You may be struggling right now. But we're going to invade the enemy's camp. We're going to take back what he stole from you. 
and we're going to expect to see freedom in ways you've never experienced it before. So that then every time you see someone else in captivity, you can heap coals upon the enemy's head and you can say, I am free. Do you want to be free too? We need to overcome captivity in our lives so that fear of captivity no longer exists in our lives. So that when we see somebody else who is in captivity, we're not afraid of their captivity. But we're boldly proclaiming the truth of our freedom. Amen? Amen. So we're going to pray. 1 Peter 2, 16, 17. And this is wonderful, but also challenging for us. It says, live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. And then John 8, 36 says this, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so let's, let's go for freedom. True freedom. So why don't you stand? I'm going to ask, we're going to go a little bit old school right now to the way we used to do it. I'm going to ask the ministry team, can you come to the front? That's how we used to do it back in Wembley. I want the ministry team to come to the front. And I'm going to ask if maybe Timmy and Flacco, you could tag yourselves onto that as well if you want to. Um, and if there's anyone in the prophetic team as well, you want to minister, I'm going to welcome you to come and join the ministry team this morning as well. So anyone in the prophetic team, if you want to come forward as well. And we're, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray corporately because we're going to stand together as the body of Christ in this moment saying we choose freedom. But also some of you got hit in the chest a little bit when I said Lazarus needed help taking off his grave clothes and some of you you need to be called out of captivity this morning you need to be called out because I'm not opening the door for you Jesus did that already but I'm going to definitely tell you remind you to not stay in that cell anymore some of you need those clothes removed from you and some of you need to help others do it And that's what these guys are here for. These are a beautiful representation of people who live in freedom. People who live in freedom in such a way they're able to pull others out into it. Why don't we start where we, why don't we finish where we started off? Why don't you say this with me? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. And today, God, I start with me. I'm going to say my name, you say yours. Dan, today, Step out of the grave. Step out of the cell. Take off your clothing that labels you as a captive. And step into freedom. I choose freedom today. I choose freedom today. I thank you, Jesus, that you have set me free. And so I choose to be free today. I am a river of life. 
I am a river of life. I am a river of life. And the trees around me will bear fruit in every season. And my river will be full of fish, will be full of life, will be full of vibrancy, will be full of evidence. And I cast off any false evidence of captivity from my life. And I throw on the clothing of righteousness, the evidence of heaven. Just let that settle on you for a second. I'm just going to pray over you. In the name of Jesus right now, I serve notice to every single chain, shackle, bondage, situation, evidence that's trying to make you feel like you are not free. Right now, we speak the truth of the cross over you and we say you are free in Jesus' name. Destruction ceases right now in Jesus' name. Distraction from the truth ceases right now in Jesus' name. Father, would you capture our hearts? Would you make us slaves to righteousness right now in the name of Jesus? I feel like for some of you, there's going to be a recapturing of a passion for Scripture. You're going to be drawn into reading the truth. You're going to be drawn into reading the words of truth rather than reading lies on your social media feeds, rather than reading lies heard around you and perceived gospel, that stuff. Read the truth about who you are, which is a glory-bringing, truth-filled, set-free, atom-bomb of glory of the kingdom of heaven. And so I bless you right now to step into freedom in Jesus' name. say this, I am free. And so for some of you, you may need a little bit of help this morning. And that's okay. I've needed help. In fact, I needed help this morning in the car on the way here. Me and Ashley prayed together and I was like, babe, I need your help. I'm struggling. I've got some things going on in my heart and my head and I need to get them out. I need to get them gone. And so we pray together. It is not a small thing, a broken thing, a pity thing, a victim thing to need help. Lazarus was dead. And then he was alive. Do you think he'd have gone, oh, don't touch me, I'm a bit stinky. Oh, don't get my evidence of death upon you. No, don't get yourself unclean. Which people would have done? They'd have gotten unclean ceremoniously to try and get him free. Do you think he'd have given a flying monkey about that? Do you think he'd have cared at all about the fact that people were going to get ceremonially unclean by touching the evidence of the glory of God? No, he'd be like, get these grave clothes off of me. I am unsatisfied with remaining with any evidence other than the truth of what just happened to me in my life. And so this morning, if you need those grave clothes to be ripped off of you, then come forward in a second. But before we do that, I just want to bless you. And for those of you online, if you need somebody to come and grab hold of you, to literally, like I preached the other month, to arrest you through the laying of hands for the Holy Spirit, then you can email us, you can phone us if you don't have anyone. But if not, find someone find someone in your community who is a brother or sister in Christ and just say to them, can you lift off the shackles from me today? Because it's not about me, it's not about Ashley, it's not about Mir Bakker, it's not about 
Yasmin. It's not about anyone in this room being special, though we all are. It's about the Spirit of God flowing through you. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.